Amen. <clears throat> okay, so Isaiah chapter 44, and I want to focus on verses 24 and 25 here. So Isaiah 44, and from verse 24. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and maketh diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish. And the title of my sermon today is The Foolishness of Atheism. The Foolishness of Atheism. Uh, let's go to the Lord in a quick word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. Please just fill me with your spirit now. Fill me with boldness and help me just preach your word accurately and, and help people to have open ears and open hearts to this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, because it is absolute folly, isn't it? Absolute folly. It is so ridiculous. It is such a ridiculous, harebrained idea, isn't it? Um, yet somehow it's gained such traction in, in this world. I, I mean, somehow it's just, it is foolishness. Now, uh, just, just a quick, quick kind of uh, couple of stats here from 2019. The number of people who don't believe in God has more than doubled in the past two decades, according to the most recent British Social Attitude Survey, Britain's longest-running survey of public opinion. 26% of Brits say they don't believe in God. 18% are agnostic, so basically sitting on the fence. And only 19% of the public is absolutely certain of God's existence. In 1998, 10% didn't believe in God. So that's, that's you know, compared to 26% now, with 21% certain of God's existence. Um, Suggesting that as well as secularisation, there has been an increase in confident atheism, they call it. Confident atheism. The survey by the National Centre for Social Research also highlights a continued religious decline in Britain. 52% of people say they do not belong to a re religion, up from 31% in 1983 when the survey was first carried out. Um, now, that's a big rise, isn't it? That's a big rise. And when you look at all the various surveys and studies, the number is always highest among the younger age brackets. Okay, So, uh, it's just the younger they get, the more likely they are to fit into the, these brackets of thinking there is no such thing as a god. Um, now, by the way, they are also very sneaky with their stats. So when you look at the stats, they'll use things like, they'll try to use a 50% non-religious stat and then insinuate that basically half the UK are atheists. And that's ridiculous. That's a, that's a nonsense. Um, but basically, because many fools will just blindly follow what they consider to be the majority decision, you know? So they want to constantly encourage everyone. With, you know, so when you look at the headlines, you look for this sort of thing, it looks like there's even more. But when you assess it, it's not that many, but it's still a ridiculous amount, isn't it? It's still a ridiculous amount. Um, obviously, being non-religious doesn't mean that, that you're denying... It doesn't mean you're denying a creator, is it? And, and uh, sorry, creator. And it, it is better being non-religious is better than being one of the many non-religions, isn't it? So being non-religious would be better than sitting in one of the false religions right. somewhere and listening to a load of rubbish every week. Yeah. Um, but they will start try and put those stats together. Now, apparently, a quarter of our nation believe that all of this creation has no creator. Okay, a quarter of our nation believes that all of this creation has no creator. That is ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely absurd. Well, their creator is the kind of nothing exploding into something God, isn't it? Um, and the foolishness of atheism is the title. And number one on my points of this is it's not scientific. It is not scientific. Keep a finger in Isaiah and turn to 1 Timothy 6.20. Keep a finger in Isaiah. Turn to 1 Timothy 6.20, where Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's instructing Timothy here. And you could say this applies to all of us. 1 Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Now, profane means irreverent, so it's proceeding from a contempt of holy things, or, or at least implying a contempt of holy things. And that's the motivation of this, isn't it? The motivation of all of this is, is contempt of God, empty babblings and idle talking. It's contempt of God. It's an attack on God and his word any way they can try their best to disprove the Bible, isn't it? That's what it is. Any way to disprove the Bible, to just put God out of their minds to the point of ignoring overwhelming evidence for a worldwide flood. There is overwhelming evidence everywhere for a worldwide flood ignored. 
trying to explain away the fact that the oldest writing found only seems to go back less than 6,000 years, or that almost every single culture has stories, engravings, and sightings of creatures that we used to call dragons and we now call dinosaurs. Um, oh, impossible, they lived billions and billions of years ago. But notice how the Chinese zodiac, for example, and it, there's so much evidence, isn't there, for this sort of thing. The Chinese zodiac years are all real animals. You've got the rat, the ox, the tiger, the rabbit, the snake, the horse, the sheep, the monkey, the rooster, the dog, the pig, and then we're meant to believe they just threw in this mythological dragon in there for a bit of fun. Yeah, we've got all these animals. We'll just throw in a dragon there, just have a laugh with that. The mythological dragon that seems to transcend cultures and corners of the world. Every culture and corner of the world seems to have drawings, pictures, legends and stories of the mythological dragon. The mythological dragon or dinosaurs, of which two are described in depth in Job 40. Long, long before, over 3,000 years before they were apparently discovered by our expert scientists. Over 3,000 years before, that is a miracle, isn't it? Based on what the world would think. How on earth were they describing these, these creatures? Well, it's not a miracle because God wrote it. But just because they call it science, it doesn't mean it's science, does it? Okay, and I think, I'd imagine everyone understands this here, but just because some of the so-called experts have extremely thick glasses and comb over hairdos, okay, doesn't mean that these people are sci a scientists by God's description of the word, does it? Okay, they can comb over all the hair they like, yeah, they can get those glasses thick as they like, yeah, they can wear little monocles if they want, doesn't mean they're speaking the truth, it doesn't mean these people are speaking wisdom, does it? Um, and they love to use long words, don't they, to display their dizzying intellects, don't they? So dizzying, those intellects. But again, it doesn't mean that it's science, does it? That doesn't mean it's science. Let alone the fact that most of the people who claim to believe this science couldn't even switch on a Bunsen burner, probably, could they? Let alone know the difference between a scientific truth and profane and vain babblings. Okay? Most people who say, I believe in science, literally do not have a clue, do they? They don't have a clue. What they're saying is, I believe what I'm told is science. Yeah, I believe everything I'm told. Now, science um, in the dictionary has a few different descriptions. I mean, number two is what we're talking about here. Systematic knowledge of the physical or material world gained through observation and experimentation. Okay, observation or experimentation. So who managed to observe this creatorless creation? Who managed to observe it? Now, listen to this. This is what, what they, this is kind of their current current belief on this yeah the big bang theory is a prevailing cosmological model explaining the existence of the observable universe from the earliest known periods through its subsequent large-scale evolution the model describes how the universe expanded from an initial state of high density and temperature and offers a comprehensive explanation for a broad range of observed phenomena including the abundance of light elements the cosmic microwave background radiation and large-scale structure Crucially, the theory is compatible with hubble lemaitre law, the observation that the further away a galaxy is, the faster it is moving away from Earth, extrapolating this cosmic expansion backwards in time using the known laws of physics. The theory describes an increasingly concentrated cosmos preceded by a singularity in which space and time lose meaning, typically named the Big Bang Singularity. Detailed measurements of the expansion rate of the universe place a Big Bang singularity at around 13.8 billion years ago, which is thus considered the age of the universe. After its initial expression, an event that is by itself often called the Big Bang, the universe cooled sufficiently to allow the formation of subatomic particles and later atoms. Giant clouds of these primordial elements, mostly hydrogen, with some helium and lithium, later coalesced through gravity, forming early stars and galaxies, the descendants of which are visible today. Beside these primordial building materials, astronomers observe the gravitational effects of an unknown dark matter surrounding galaxies. Most of the gravitational potential in the universe seems to be in this form, and the Big Bang Theory and various observations indicate that this excess gravitational potential is not created by baryonic matter, such as normal atoms. Measurements of the redshifts of supernovae indicate that the expansion of the universe is accelerating an observation attributed to dark energy's existence. This is Wikipedia. This is for you to look up what the Big Bang is, and that, that, is, that is for the layman to read, yeah? 
These guys all sound like they got high on drugs and watch far too many Star Trek episodes, don't they? I mean, that is ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. That is the definition of profane and vain babblings, isn't it? That is the definition of profane and vain babblings. Great. I mean, they're giving us a good example of that, so we can really, you know, get an idea what that is. Now, it's more believable. Take away all that. It's more believable for me to say that this pulpit made itself, isn't it? That would be more believable for me to say this pulpit just came together, you know, a few bits, a few bits there. Much more believable. Um, because that, it doesn't matter how many supernovae and, you know, extrapolations and everything else you put into that. If I, if I started talking about, you know, cosmic events that came together and, you know, and then extrapolated this and then the, the pulpit just suddenly bang and it was there, it's a nonsense, isn't it? It's an absolute nonsense. Proverbs 15, 14, you don't have to turn there, says, The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. It feeds on foolishness. Because they didn't observe it, did they? They didn't observe that. Now, maybe they gained this knowledge through experimentation. Maybe they gained it through experimentation. So how are those explosions of nothing going creating life? How do you think they're going in their labs right now? Explosions creating life. Or in fact, how are they getting on just creating life out of anything without an explosion? With all of the ingredients and themselves as a creator. How do you think they're getting on with that? No way, they're failing every time, of course they are. Or how about, sh- how about showing us a creature that is slowly becoming another creature? How about that? How about a creature that is part one creature and part another creature? You know that macroevolution that is handily umbrella termed evolution? So we can just use the, the, the microevolution, the adaptation of species, and just lump it all. What, you don't believe in evolution? <laughs> well, look, you know, there's, there's creatures that are adapting. No, I don't believe that a creature suddenly becomes a new creature. It's ridiculous. How many billions and billions of years you throw in there, the missing ingredient? And that is a missing ingredient, isn't it? That is where we, that's where we've got it all wrong, because without, you know, it's a billions of years. You, you don't realise this happened over billions of years. So... Let's have a look at their, their theories, because right now, surely they've got it all sussed, haven't they? Right now they've got it sussed, because these guys, you know, there's some clever guys there. Okay, let's have a quick look at this. So the, the historical aspects in finding out the age of the Earth. 1860, they said the Earth was ancient, but no date. Many geologists have evidence that Earth is ancient, but cannot give an actual date, as they only have re- relative dating methods. Some still use the Bible and other religious texts to support the idea that the Earth is only about 6,000 years old. 1862. Earth was apparently 100 million years old, they decided in 62. 1862, this is. William Thompson, later, co- later called Lord Kelvin, estimates the Earth is 100 million years old based on its cooling from a very hot creation. He is a long way out, because he does not know about the heat from natural radioactivity. Poor old Lord Kelvin. Lord Kelvin, the first Baron Kelvin, was a Scottish mathematician, apparently, a physicist, who developed the Kelvin scale of temperature measurement. Uh, he also had theories on the age of the Earth and sun that were later disproved. Oh, dear. Uh, 1903, heat from radioactivity. George Darwin and John Jolie pointed out the newly discovered that heat from radioactivity in rocks would upset earlier assumptions about scientific age of the Earth. 1905, they found a way to date rocks. Uh, this was using radioactive elements, apparently, with long half-lives, such as uranium. Right, 1907, they got a new age for the Earth now. Bertram Boltwood uses the ratios of uranium and its decay product, lead, in rocks suggest dates of 92 to 570 million years. So, you know, he didn't really want to put, put himself on the line there, did he? 1911, they went even earlier dates. Arthur Holmes improves, improves on Boltwood's work. I, I disagree with that. Rock determined to be carboniferous by relative dating is 340 million years old. A Precambrian rock is 1,640 million years old. These dates are not widely accepted as they disagree with earlier dating methods. 1920, they got this mass spectrometer. That's some sort of thing that's for studying isotopes. Um, 1927, not the oldest rocks. Arthur Holmes suggests that the Earth is 1.6 to 3 billion years old. Again, he's, he hasn't uh, gone for a precise number there. He realised that all the rocks being chemically dated were formed a long time after the Earth was formed. 1941, 3.2 billion years old. 
E.K. Jerling estimates the Earth of the Earth as 3.2 billion years. He bases this on rocks. They love rocks, don't they? These guys. You ever notice? He bases this on rocks. He because we all came from rocks. Yeah, exactly. They worship the rock, don't they? Um, he thinks of from the time when Earth was formed. These rocks are later shown to come from after Earth's formation. Ah, that's where he got it wrong. 1956 meteorites, Claire, Claire Patterson, this is a guy though, realizes that some meteorites were formed at the same time as the Earth and have stayed unchanged. He gets the age. Never trust a man that's called Claire. He gets the age of 4.55 billion, plus or minus 0.3 billion years, um, which is 300 million years, isn't it? from the Canyon Diablo meteorite. Okay, so we're nearly done here. 1972, the moon rock, the oldest rocks brought back from the moon by the Apollo 17 mission have radiometric, radiometric dates of up to 4.5 billion years. It is thought the moon formed at a similar time to Earth. 1983, they got the oldest crystal, zircon crystals in Western Australia dated to 4.2 billion years. So we're just going up and up and up. Where do you think they're going to be in sort of 50 years time with this? Up to the trillions, won't we? 2007, the oldest Earth rocks, the oldest known rocks called Acasta Gneiss, are found in Canada, dated at 4.03 billion years old. The 1983 crystals are older, but are no longer in their original rock. Okay, last one, 2010, improved error range. Many meteorites have now been dated, improving Pat Patterson's 1956 age of the Earth of 4.55 plus or minus 0.3 billion years to 4.55 plus or minus 0.02 billion years. This reduction in error means that geologists have become more confident in their estimates of the age of the Earth. Okay. Until when? Until when? Until next year, next decade, whenever it is, if, if you know, things are still going on as they are. So, um, now, people say, oh, but, but, but now they know best. Now we've got some better dating methods. Yeah, now we get it. Okay. So, you're in, you should be in Isaiah 44. Go back to Isaiah 44. Okay, verse 24. Isaiah 44, 24 says, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. And that's what God said. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Genesis 1, 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth my inspired preserved word of god that is 100 percent accurate on absolutely everything i've ever put it to the test on says in revelation 4 11, thou art worthy o lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou has created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created how can you look at this world and think it, it happened by accident you have to be a fool don't you an absolute fool Verse 25 of Isaiah 44 said, Thus that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and maketh diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish. How frustrating to be one of these liars with their ever-changing tokens or evidence of their madness, eh? That's got to be pretty frustrating. How maddening to be studying this divination this guesswork, conjecture, and get to the end of your career or life and still have no idea, yeah? Still have no idea. How embarrassing, how embarrassing to consider yourself wise, but have to rethink your whole life's work and realise that actually all of your knowledge was foolishness, either here or in hell, yeah? How embarrassing, how pathetic. But they're not really searching the truth, are they, okay? And, and that's something we've got to understand. And they're not searching the truth. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool have no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Okay? Their whole motivation is to prop up their ridiculous model of spontaneous explosions, creating life, and anything else to disprove God, isn't it? Okay, that's what they're fixated on. And the foolishness of atheism. Number one was uh, atheism. Number one was it's not scientific. Number two, it's hard to escape. It's hard to escape. Turn to Job 12. Well, I read, read Romans chapter 1, verse 20. In Romans 1, describing reprobates given up by God, verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, verse 20 is saying that the creation is evidence of God and his power, and that's to everyone. Everyone. Everyone is without excuse. Job 12, you're in Job 12, verse 7. 
But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind? We can learn so much from creation, can't we? But who doesn't know that it's all of the Lord? Who doesn't know? Not just, the, not just the creation, but the sustaining of life as well. The sustaining of life, because without God, this would end in a second, yeah, wouldn't it? That's right. Turn to Psalm chapter 14. Psalm chapter 14. Okay, Psalm 14 and verse 1 says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Now look, there are people that claim atheism, atheism as a handy way to avoid acknowledging God, yeah? There are those. But deep down, they know the truth. Deep down, they know the truth. But to say in your heart, to say in your heart, to have convinced yourself that there is no God is hard, maybe impossible to come back from. Maybe impossible. Because it's interesting, that, that psalm and the, and the parallel psalm to it as well, uh, for me, are describing a describing someone who's given up on by God there, yeah. and, and I don't know. I don't know where that line is there. With I think there are fools that obviously aren't reprobate, but a lot of the time the fool is describing that. Uh, we'll see that in a second. Um, why is it hard to come back from? Well, Proverbs twenty seven twenty two, before you're given up by God, says, "Though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolishness depart from him." So you can bray, that's to pound, to beat, to grind small a fool, but he will still be a fool. Okay, you can beat them down and try and beat that foolishness out of them. Sometimes it's tempting, but they, they, will, still, they will still end up a fool. Because as Proverbs 14.3 says, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. How many times when you speak to a real atheist, I'm not saying someone that just kind of uses it as a handy excuse and within five seconds they're acknowledging there's a God. When you speak to someone who's said in his heart, how often is the pride just oozing off yeah, them, yeah, isn't right. it? They're so prideful with it. It's usually an attempt to proudly show you their intellect, isn't it? They're so proud of their atheism, their belief in science. They're usually, you know, they're like... <laughs> Oh, I don't believe in a God, you know, <laughs> when you're at the door. And it's, it's terrible, it's, it's sad, really. They're like, well, I believe in science, you know. <laughs> oh, man, it, it, it is bad. But you see, like, the pride is, these guys are so puffed up, so proudful. Proverbs 14, 16 says, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. He's a fool, he's raging, because they get angry, these guys, don't they? How angry is the atheist? The atheist is more angry a lot of the time than the guy from the false religion. He's more angry than the, than the Muslim, sometimes than the Jew. When you knock on the door and you say to him, you start trying to preach, I don't, you know, it's like, why are you so offended? If you're, so, you're so confident, you're so puffed up, you're so knowledgeable and intelligent, why don't you feel sorry for me? Why aren't you being kind and trying to show me your, your beliefs and show me the error of my ways? Why are you instead angrily slamming the door in my face, if not shouting curse words and the rest of it? Because, because the fool rageth, but, and is confident. He's confident in his raging, isn't he? They do rage a lot. So angry that you would dare invite them to church. I mean, how dare you invite me to your church? And look, they're, they're, you know, they're so arrogant in their folly, aren't they? But of course, this is then exasperated by any wealth. So Proverbs 1.32 says, For the turning of away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. The wealth of that atheist will basically provide a one-way underground ticket to the heart of the earth, won't it? That, that, that wealth will provide them that one-way underground ticket to the heart of the earth. Um, interestingly, the end of Proverbs 1, which I just quoted there, is definitely, for me, describing the reprobate. There it says, For the tony away the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. They reject that innate knowledge again and again. And when you try to reach them, Proverbs 23, 9 says, Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. 
They don't want to hear it, do they? They hate it. They absolutely... I, I've actually had an atheist basically covering his ears and going, la, 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 well, I try to give him a verse and shut the door. It, it was like... It, whoa! Like, he was just like, no, 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 like, like, just... You know, when I said, oh, can I just tell you my favourite verse? You know, ah, like, covering his ears, no, quickly shut the door. I mean, they despise the wisdom of your words. They despise it. They don't want to hear it. They hate the truth. But... It's like any other false religion, though. Once they're deeply entrenched, once they're deeply entrenched, it the more time that goes by, the harder it is to get them out, if they're still capable. Yeah. And, and that, that's one of the pitfalls of atheism, isn't it? Like any other false religion, once you're, you're to the point where you're just saying in your heart, there's no God, it's, is, there, is there a way out once you get to that point? I don't know. Um, Psalm 53. Turn to Psalm 53. Now, this is the parallel psalm to Psalm 14. It's almost identical. Psalm 53, and verse 1 says, to the, uh, it's to the chief musician upon Meolath Maskil, Psalm of David. It says, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Why does God repeat himself? Why does God repeat himself? Why is there an almost identical psalm? Maybe because he knew that the world would put these people on a pedestal, do you think? Maybe God knew. Maybe he knew they'll convince themselves that it's the intellectual stance. Will somehow turn it around to where they call the vast majority of people in the world that don't believe in explosions of nothing creating all of this, the fools. Because it is still the vast majority. The vast majority of people around the world don't believe in this nonsense. Now, they try and make out like, you know, anyone with any intelligence, but the vast majority don't, do they? And, and look, yeah, the Western world has been getting hoodwinked for a lot longer with this, and maybe one of the reasons, I don't know why, why a lot of the time in the Western world, the people that aren't maybe, uh, or maybe first, second or third generation only here, are generally a lot more receptive, aren't they? Because those that have grown up in Britain, a lot of the time, I don't know if it's the atheism or whatever else, but, but it seems like this, it's really hard, isn't it, with a lot of them. But, you know, it is the vast majority of people haven't been done by this yet, as much as they try and tell us it is. And Because and, I'm going to get onto this in a second, the point of that. Um, but, look, these people are corrupt, aren't they? They are corrupt. They have done abominable iniquity. The people where they're saying it in their heart, I'm not talking about the person who's grown up at school and says, yeah, I'm an atheist. And then sort of really deep down, they don't really believe that. They just say, oh, well, I've got to fit in. You know, that's what I've been told. But people who say that in their heart, they have done abominable iniquity most of the time. There is none that doeth good. And as with all false religion, this is especially evident amongst the leaders. Okay, especially evident amongst leaders. The foolishness of atheism. Number one, it's not scientific. Number two, it's hard to escape. And number three, they follow vile perverts. Okay, they follow vile perverts. Like all these other false religions. Proverbs 19.3 says, The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Like the billions of Muslims that have no issue with their prophet Muhammad being a paedophile. Like the billions of Catholics that don't seem to care about the massive cover-ups that continue to go on throughout the Roman Catholic Church. Same with the imams, by the way. It's not just the Catholics, yeah? They're just, because they're Christian, as far as the world is concerned, we hear a lot more about them. The imams, the pervert imams everywhere. The rabbis, yeah, the rabbis who are, who are just full of this paedophilia. I mean, the stories, the arrests, there's so many. The Buddhist monks, anyone heard about the Buddhist monks? Over in Thailand, have a look next time, next time you, you, know, you, you want to look at this stuff, you're interested. The Buddhist monks in Thailand, uh, uh, I mean, there's like absolute like, mayhem going on where they're just basically, all these poor boys are put in these kind of these monk places where they kind of gather to be an apprentice. It's wicked, okay? And it's all the same, it's false religion because that's like the cool religion right now, isn't it? Buddhism. No, they're just a bunch of perverts as well. Bunch of paedophiles. Um, the Jehovah's Witnesses. What about Jehovah's Witnesses? The amount of payouts from the Jehovah's Witnesses. The, the Mormons. The Mo just a sex cult, isn't it? Now, we don't, we don't run into them much here. I've, I've actually got past, you know, sort of, maybe, I think I might have seen a couple of Mormons before here. 
But there was one that I actually worked with briefly on a job once uh, a few years back and I got to talk to this guy, the one Mormon I've ever really talked to properly and he turned out to be a nonce. He turned out to be basically some sort of abuse of his his wife's, because they, they generally marry quite young, his wife's little sister. And this, this guy was young as well. I mean, just wicked. The only one. And for me, that says a lot to me. But regardless, as we know, again, just perverts. And, and look, the religious leaders, the religious leaders of atheism are no different. Okay, exactly the same. Richard Dawkins. Anyone know much about Richard Dawkins? We've all probably heard of Richard Dawkins, haven't we? Um, okay, born in 26th of March 1941. He's a British evolutionary biologist and author. He is an emeritus fellow of New College, Oxford, and was professor for public understanding of science in the University of Oxford from 95 to 2008. An atheist, he is well known for his criticism of creationism and intelligent design because his whole motivation is attacking God, isn't it? Now, this was Richard Dawkins talking about one of his paedophile masters at boarding school. He said, he said, other children in his school peer group, this is uh, summarising here, I'll quote him in a second, had been molested by the same teacher but concluded, this is him, I don't think he did any of us lasting harm. I am very conscious that you can't condemn people of an earlier era by the standards of ours. Just as we don't look back at the 18th and 19th centuries and condemn people for racism in the same way as we would condemn a modern person for racism, I look back a few decades to my childhood and see things like caning, like mild paedophilia, and can't find it in me to condemn it by the same standards as I or anyone would today, he said. This is Richard Dawkins, yeah? He said the most notorious case of paedophilia involved rape and even murder should not be bracketed with what he called just mild touching up. Just mild touching up. And, and I'm not going to describe what happened to him, but his reasons for defending the behaviour seem to focus on three points. Firstly, that hysteria over a fear of paedophilia is overblown by society. Second, that instilling a child with fundamentalist religious beliefs is actually a worse way to abuse a child. And third, that he personally overcame childhood sexual abuse, meaning it must not be that big of a deal for anyone else who was subjected to similar behaviour. Starting to see why he hates God, yeah? Right. Or at least what started the hating of God. Yeah. All three of the boarding schools I attended employed teachers whose affections for small boys overstepped the bounds of propriety. That was indeed reprehensible. Nevertheless, if 50 years on they had been hounded by vigilantes or lawyers, as no better than child murderers, I should have felt obliged to come to their defence, even as a victim of one of them, an embarrassing but otherwise harmless experience. This is quoting Richard Dawkins. People still respect, follow and listen to this guy. People still put this guy up there as some sort of, you know, atheist example. You know, what, what, a, what a dizzying intellect. Um, okay, here's another one. Anyone heard of Peter Singer? Peter Singer. So this guy's on the number one of, of atheists, apparently, in the world. Again, depends what list you look at. Um, this guy's been quite outspoken recently. Uh, he's an Australian moral philosopher, currently the Ira W. DeCamp Professor of Bioethics at Princeton University. He specialises in applied ethics and approaches ethical issues. I mean, ethical issues coming from these people, from a secular ut utilitarian perspective. Now, along with justifying killing babies, okay, which he has, and his support of bestiality, this guy, more recently he's argued in favour of the rape of disabled people. This guy is up there on their top top guy. This is... Uh, so this, I, I, I'm not going to quote it anyway, I'll go through these quickly because it's, it's absolutely vile. Okay, this guy basically saying, because there was a case in, in the States where, where basically some woman was, was um, she, she was sentenced for this and he basically came in defence of her saying that, well, you know, the disabled person who couldn't, you know, kind of, uh, he couldn't willfully say yes or no well, you know, basically it's not right. Like, it's a long story, but it's vile. And we won't go into it. David Silverman, born uh, August 13, 1966. He's an American secular advocate. I don't know if anyone's heard of this guy because he, he previously served as president of American Atheists, a non-profit organisation supporting the rights of atheists and the removal of expressions of religion in government. Seem so angry about this, don't they? From 2010 to 2018, his annual anti-Christmas billboard, which calls Christmas a myth, has often sparked controversy. Silverman is also the subject of the popular Are You Serious Face internet meme, 
recently fired for two allegations of sexual assault. Silverman, who claims to be in an open marriage, says that it was consensual. You know the old open marriage, yeah? Yeah. Uh, two allegations of sexual assault. Um, and then what about Stephen Fry? Anyone know Stephen Fry? Anyone heard of Stephen Fry? Okay, so Stephen Fry is an English actor, broadcaster, comedian, director and writer. In 2010, Fry was made a distinguished supporter of the British Humanist Association, stating, it is essential to nail one's colours to the mast as a humanist. On 22nd February 2011, Fry was presented with a Lifetime Achievement Award in Cultural Humanism by the Humanist Chaplaincy at Harvard University. When interviewed in 2015 by veteran Irish broadcaster Gay Byrne, Fry was asked what he would say if he came face to face with God. Anyone seen that rubbish? Anyone seen this? So basically, this went around the internet, it was on YouTube, millions and millions of views, where this guy always asks his interviewees, what would you do if you came face to face with God at the pearly gates or something like that? And Fry just went on this, I would say, how dare you how children with bone cancer how dare and he just goes on this rant this attack on it is absolutely wicked um it's even more wicked when you consider that that pervert fry was in a 15-year relationship with daniel cohen which ended in 2010 fry was listed number two in 2016 number two in 2000 uh, number 12 in 2017 on the pride power list on 6th of January 2015, British tabloid The Sun reported that Fry would marry his partner, comedian Elliot Spencer. Now, if anyone, I, I saw this when the news come up, maybe, a, I don't know, maybe I saw it on Facebook, at the time I was still on Facebook. Um, this, this guy, Elliot Spencer, looks like a child, okay? He's apparently in his 20s, I don't know, late teens, 20. He literally looks like a child. Fry wrote on Twitter, Stephen Fry is, what, what do we say, born in 1957. So he's basically the best part of six, over 60 now. Um, so, okay, so Fry said it looks as though a certain cat is out of a certain bag. I'm very, very happy, of course, but I'd hope for a private wedding. Fat chance. Eleven days after the news story, Fry married Spencer on 17th of January at Derriham in Norfolk. This guy, if you've seen pictures of him, he is a vile, vile pervert. Um, and, and, and this guy, again, is highly respected amongst the atheists in this country. This guy, great that he gave, you know, God a tongue lashing on, on, on this... Uh, and Gay Byrne, this guy isn't, I don't think he's a sodomite, I might have that wrong, but I think that is actually his name. But um, on his talk show, it wasn't, you know, it, and look, people, people put these guys up, people are like, what a great guy to be outspoken about it. And now the argument could be, yeah, but these people infiltrate everywhere. They do, but look, the atheists, like other false religions, are still following these vile perverts. Okay, they still follow them, they still respect them, they still quote them, they still kind of copy their statements, their, their quotes, they still listen to them, they still support them a lot of the time as well. And we're not, like, we don't do that. So look, there, there's every chance, isn't there? There could be some pervert at some point, you know, in, in churches like ours, and, and there will be, and there has been that have been kicked out and stuff like that. But you're not going to keep following them, are you? You're not going to listen to them. You're going, oh, well, never mind. You know, that's it. They're done, aren't they? Imagine if I started quoting that. Imagine I was standing up here just trying to justify paedophilia. Do you think anyone would be here next week? No way. No. Say again? The atheists would. Yeah, well, I don't know if we've got any in here, though. But, but no one would, would they? But these guys, it, it doesn't matter to them, does it? Now, but have you noticed as well how, these athe how many atheist comedians there are? Anyone notice that? Yeah. There are a lot of atheist comedians. Um, and they always seem to find sick things hilarious, don't they? Obviously, all, all, pr pretty much all of them, part of their routine will be an attack on God, won't it? And a mockery of Christianity. It's all just one big laugh, isn't it? Um, turn, to, um, turn to 2 Peter 3. While I read um, Ecclesiastes 7.6. So Ecclesiastes 7.6 says, For as a crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. And Proverbs 15.21 says, Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of, understandeth walketh, uh, a man of understanding walketh uprightly. Um, I remember listening to a comedian where... Um, 
many years ago where the big joke was how many how many of the names in the Bible it's, got, <laughs> it's like they're English names trying to claim like people in the Middle East were called John and Mark and Matthew and like all these people are like roaring with laughter and it just what a load of nonsense where do you think the names came from you moron but like this is the sort of stuff they come out with you know and everyone's in stitches just yeah i mean they've even got like british names you know western names you know like these people are so foolish yeah folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom they love it absolutely love it love the sick jokes love the twisted stuff love the foolish jokes now second peter chapter three from verse three Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing after the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. They are scoffers, aren't they? They're scoffers walking after their own disgusting lusts. And that's what it is, isn't it? They're walking after their own disgusting lusts. They are willingly ignorant, and so are the fools that follow these perverts, aren't they? They're willingly ignorant until they get to the point where they basically convince themselves that there's no God. And these people are scoffers, and you hear them scoffing all the time, and it's all just, it's like that scoffing noise, isn't it? <laughs> God, <laughs> the Bible, you know, it's that scoff, 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 scoff. So, look, it's foolishness, it's unscientific, it's a slippery slope, and it's full of perverts. And I, I would imagine most people here probably understand that. Maybe a bit of it's just reminding you. Maybe they haven't heard some of those quotes from these people, but are probably pretty aware, probably understood it would be pretty lightly. So, what's the point? What can we do about it? So, what can we, as Christians, do about this nonsense? Well, number one, don't compromise. Okay, number one, don't compromise. Turn to, turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. Colossians 2, 8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. How many Christians have tried to fit macro evolution into the Bible somehow? How many have tried to do that? Well, maybe God created the monkey to evolve into man. Yeah, have you heard this nonsense before? Or, or they've tried to fit the Big Bang in. God could have caused the Big Bang. Yeah, I've heard Christians come out with this, or read Christians come out with this stuff. Or the gap theory. What about the gap theory? Okay, now if you're wondering, if you don't know what the gap theory is, you just want a reminder, gap creationism, they like to call it because it's not a theory, also known as ruin restoration creationism, restoration creationism or the gap theory, is a form of old earth creationism that posits that the six yom creation period, okay, yom is a Hebrew day, yeah, but you know, six yom creation period, because you've got to go back to the Hebrew, as described in the book of Genesis, involves six literal 24-hour days, light being day and dark night, as God specified, and that there was a gap of time between two distinct creations in the first and the second verse of Genesis, which the theory states explains many scientific observations, including the age of the earth, it differs from day-age creationism, which posits that the days of creation were much longer periods, thousands or millions of years. And from young earth creationism, which, although it agrees concerning the six literal 24-hour days of creation, does not posit any gap of time. Because there's none there, is there? Well, there's a big problem with the gap theory and the day-age theory. It's called Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. Um, you can turn there if you like. Exodus 20, 11 give you a minute if you want to turn there. Exodus 20, 11 says this. Exodus 20, 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. In six days. Now, six days, according to the day-age compromisers, 
the Sabbath day is actually thousands or millions of years long. That would be a long Sabbath day, wouldn't it? That would be a long service, yeah, if the Sabbath day was thousands of years. But no, it was in six literal days. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe this book, yeah? I, everyone else believes this book. And this book, I don't need the world's approval to believe this book, do I? I don't need the world's approval and try and fit in this book with their foolishness. Yeah, why would you do that? Why do they do that? It's infuriating. You don't have to turn there. Proverbs 21.30 says, There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. There isn't, is there? Why am I going to take what these unsaved people are saying and try and fit it in with the book? You're not going to do it, are you? Now, Ecclesiastes 10.1 says, You don't have to turn there. It says, Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savour. So do the little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honour. Don't let the pressure of this nonsense start making you seek a way of incorporating it into the Bible. Okay? And look, people do do it. People have done it. They're strong Christians, I'd imagine, that have slowly started doing that. Um, a little folly will ruin your wisdom and honour. Okay? A little folly, you can be right on everything else. You start trying to fit in billions of years and the rest of it, people are just, they're not going to respect you, are they? They're not going to respect you as a man of God. Um, God created man from the dust of the earth, didn't he? Not from a monkey. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created him, so, sorry, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. My God isn't a monkey. Okay, my God isn't a monkey. In Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar saw four men in the fiery furnace, didn't he? Not three men and a primate swinging around. My God didn't cause an explosion of nothing. I don't know about yours, but mine didn't cause an explosion of nothing. And when my God says six days, guess what he means? Six days, doesn't he? When he says six days, he means six days. We don't have to go back to the Hebrew and start trying to find other ways of, of explaining a way to fit in with the wicked world and their nonsense. Right, so number one, don't compromise. Okay, that's pretty obvious, I think. And again, I think we've got some strong Christians here that are very unlikely to start you know, going down the route of trying to fit in atheism and, and all their nonsense into the Bible. But how about number two? Don't give it any credibility. Don't give it any credibility. 1 Timothy 6.20 said, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Avoiding. He said to avoid it, didn't he? I don't even want to hear the stupidity coming out of these people's mouths. I just want to avoid it. I don't want to hear it. I personally don't th even think it warrants a debate. I really don't. I don't think it warrants a debate. Look, I'll, as far as I'll go, if I have someone try and say that, uh, first thing I'll just say is that the creation is evident of the creator, yeah? That's evidence. You know, I think that's pretty obvious. Do you want me to continue and show you the gospel? I'm not going to stand there and start going down their route and start going... It, it's not, it doesn't have the credibility of that. It's ridiculous. Because, look, there are two types of people in this world, aren't there? There are those that want to hear the truth and those that don't. Okay, and they'll come up with an excuse or reason... You know, and they might use that and maybe that'll be their initial thing they say, but just offer them the gospel when you're out soul winning. Because for me, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. If anyone here has managed to debate with a proper atheist who, and then somehow at the end of it got them saved, let me know afterwards. But look, learning the holes in all of their scientific theories is a waste of time as it's all just one big black hole, isn't it? It's just one big black hole. What are you going to do? Le spend years learning creationism. Uh, sorry, learning, like, learning Big Bang and atheism and their so-called evolution theory to argue, like, what is the point in any of that? Like, uh, because it doesn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't have that amount of credibility. If someone can't just see when it's quickly pointed out to them, that is ridiculous. Just yeah. look at you and me. Look at the, the creation's evident of the creator. What did Romans 1 say? Yeah. You know, they're without excuse. You know, even his eternal power and Godhead. Um, Timothy was told to avoid it, wasn't he? Timothy was told to avoid it. If I stated some folly now that, I don't know, that the sky was actually green. So say I just started going, the sky is green, and I try to, you know, bamboozle you with a load of technical terms, yeah, about how the sky is green. You know, optical illusions centred around the blue light spectrum, 
you know, is a reason why you've, you know, you believe that, you know, and everything. It's because of the Bible and religion has brainwashed you into believing that the sky is blue, yeah? And, and look, you, you, you wouldn't bother debate. Would anyone here have a debate with me about it? Would you go, oh, I need to have a debate. I'm going to have to learn about this sky is green theory, you know, so I can really win Brother Ian over with it. No, you'd just be like, don't be such an idiot. You'd, you'd be like, look, if, you, if you're going to carry on, we're not going to talk, yeah? That, surely, that's what, that's what you should say. Um, you just wouldn't bother. Now turn to 2 Timothy 2. Well, I read Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26, 8 says, As he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honour to a fool. So look, give them a chance. Yeah? People want to talk about stuff. Give them a chance in case they're just a victim. But don't give, give honour to a fool. Don't actually get into a debate about this rubbish. Yeah? There's no debate to be had. It's just ridiculous. It's a nonsense. Proverbs 29.9 says, If a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. So when they're actually a fool, when they've said in their heart, yeah, when they really believe this rubbish, you know, you contend with them. Whether he rage or laugh, there's no rest. You know, you're not, you're not gonna, it's not gonna go well. You're not gonna end up with, oh, we got there in the end. It just, he just really needed me to explain the errors in all his ways. No, it's just nonsense. It's nonsense. Debating, contending with these people is a waste of time. I think it's yeah. a complete waste of time. Second Timothy chapter two and verse 23 says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strife. So second Timothy two, uh, chapter two, verse, 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. We should avoid all of those foolish questions, shouldn't we? All that sort of, well, what about this? What about that? Just avoid it. Verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Right, you're teaching them the gospel though. You're not teaching them, you don't have to learn every ridiculous subject to be apt to teach, yeah? We don't want to row. The fool won't listen. The fool's not going to listen. We should be gentle. We should be apt to teach. We should be patient. But the power's in the gospel, isn't it? The power's in the word of God. It's in the gospel. It's not in some long-winded debate about atheism and big bangs. Verse 25, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Look, we can do it, we can do it gently without pride and arrogance, can't we? Okay, this isn't a soul-winning sermon, okay? This isn't, I wouldn't send this sermon to a load of unbelieving atheists. And this is going to get them saved. No, that's not what this is about. This is to the saved. Church is for the saved, isn't it? To, for the believers, and we're, you know, part of this sermon is for some of these points to strengthen faith a little bit. We've got young, youngsters here as well. And just to remind you how ridiculous it is, and you don't have to be swayed by, you don't have to, oh, well, you know, a bit nervous about, you know, preaching the truth because, you know, they're so scientific. No, they're just, it's foolishness. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They're clowns. I mean, really, like, you should just picture an atheist with, like, a, a red nose on and some big shoes and, and, a, and a blue wig, and because it, it, they are, they're clowns. As soon as you honestly try and come out of that, you're a clown. You're an absolute clown. You, should, you know, it should be like, brr, brr, at the end, because, <laughs> because, because it's a joke. There should be a punchline, shouldn't there? Um, okay, verse 26, and, and, that, sorry, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And ultimately, they have been taken captive by the devil, yeah. haven't they? Okay, of course the devil is behind this. Um, you don't have to turn. A second Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid unto them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The answer is the gospel, isn't it? The answer is the gospel, not debates about the cosmic microwave background radiation. Okay, you ain't getting anywhere with that Star Trek stuff. It's the gospel. So number one was don't compromise. Number two, don't give it any credibility. And number three, don't stop being a shining light. Okay, don't stop being a shining light. Turn to 1 Peter 2. Of course, Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, and from verse 12 says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they, they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in a day of visitation. 
submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Look, the moral depravity of these people is clear, isn't it? It's clear. It's just coming off them in, in waves. But the worse it gets, the more they call good evil and evil good, the more that people will look for the truth. The more people will look for the truth. People that really want the truth will look because it's so ridiculous, isn't it? You can't look at the world right now and go, thank, thank, you know, well, you, they wouldn't say God, thank whatever for atheism, Thank, you know, it's just lucky that we finally got rid of that religion because now, you know, things are sorted. Look at the state of them all. Look at the state of it. Look, if amongst these delusional atheists, yeah, our behaviour is honest, we're full of good works, some might look at it and stop and think. Those that haven't gone too far yet might look and stop and think, yeah. When we obey government where possible, because we should, where possible, when it doesn't contradict God's law, we should obey the higher power. Look, they want to call you evildoers anyway, don't they? They want to call you evil. They want to find something to criticise. When you're living right, when you're living morally right, when you're living, you know, as far as you can under the law of the land and you're, and you're a shining light to people, well, then it's, they're, they're running out of things to criticise us with, aren't they? Um, verse 15 it says there for so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men with well-doing that's you know the will of God is that we'll silence them with our own well-doing yeah because look the attacks on God the attacks on Christians the attacks on the Bible all the time isn't it but the more we're just that contrast the more we're that separate group not trying to fit in with them not trying to oh, well, appease them somehow not trying to be a, well, a little bit like them so they don't hate us too much look they're going to hate you, but with time, they're going to have to look at that and see the difference the way we live as to the way they live. Yeah, the way the majority live and the way that, that men of God, women of God, children of God with this book and living by this book live. And that, according to God here, and that's his will, that with well-doing, we may put to science the ignorance of, ignorance of foolish men. But what is the ultimate well-doing? What's the ultimate well-doing? Going out and preaching the gospel, isn't it? Going out and preaching the word of God. And, and part, it's not like, oh, just be a shining light. One day they might just kind of realise that, that God's true and understand the whole gospel. No, we have to go out and preach the gospel. And that's the, that's ultra, that's, that's the biggest charity. That's the biggest love, isn't it? Now get out there. Get out there. Preach the gospel and live right at the same time. Now turn to, um, turn to Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14. Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Look, avoid the disputes. It's a waste of time, isn't it? We want to be blameless. We want to be harmless, like it says here. In the middle of a crooked and perverse nation. And look, in, a, in, in this crooked and perverse nation, you know, how can we even think about compromising? How do we think about trying to appease them? How can we give them the credibility that they don't deserve, yeah. you know? It's ridiculous. But if we're doing things right, we, we should be a shining light, shouldn't we, in what is a bizarre, illogical, dark land that we live in. But be that shining light, get out there, preach the gospel, and we can make a difference, can't we? Um, and, that, and that's the Christian's response. And on that note, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, you know, the many truths that you give us, uh, of which, you know, that, that truth that, you know, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And thank you that, that all of us here just, just have that faith. We know the truth that we haven't been, you know, conned and hoodwinked by, by just these ridiculous, you know, oppositions of science, falsely so-called. And help us to be strong with this. Help us to be to be bold about it, help us not to get drawn into to pointless debates and help us not to compromise and help us to, to be a shining light to these people and to, to preach the gospel to these people and, um, and you know, and, and, and keep us away from those that are too far gone as well. Just just help us not to waste our time with those and just to, to focus on those and lead us to people that, that, 
that are receptive to 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 your to your gospel and and starting this afternoon please just help us to get many people saved help us to to go out and preach your word and for all of us to be bold and and confident in it and help us to return here for this evening service and um, in jesus name we pray all of this amen